Pretty neat, huh? That's restoration. Okay? That's restoration. Gives you a hint what our service is going to be about, what the message is going to be about. Good morning and welcome to worship. It is so good to be able to gather together in the presence of God. Amen? Amen, yes. I'm honored to serve here at the Way Woodstock alongside Pastor Andy, who isn't here today, because he's with the teens. Uh, I guess they're on their way back now, probably, but uh, they've spent the weekend together this weekend at their youth at the youth retreat. And uh, from the pictures and everything, it looks like they've had a good time, and it looks like God has blessed them. So uh, we just uh, continue for praying for safe travels for them on the way back, and we're so glad that they came together. I want to welcome those who are here in the sanctuary as well as those who are watching online. And uh, just, you know, again, it is just such a a blessing to be able to gather together. Uh, We are here, a family of faith, who believes that um, our job and our honor and our glory comes from sharing in hope, living with purpose for the sake of others. Now, these past four weeks, we've been looking at our spiritual journey, and we've been asking ourselves a very important question. Are we there yet? We've looked at four questions and how, on our Connect cards that can help us gauge how far we've come and how much further we still have to uh, live into our shared purpose as a faith community. And this is the long version of our mission statement. The way Woodstock exists to glorify God and make disciples of Jesus Christ by sharing the hope-filled life in Christ with others so that we may all discover and live into our God-given purpose. Now, those four questions that we've been looking at were, how am I sharing the hope in Christ with others? How am I discovering and living into my God-given purpose? Who is helping me grow in my faith? Who am I helping grow in their faith? Today, we're going to be thinking about the destination of the journey that we've been on, right? A destination. When you go somewhere, you you need to know what your destination is in order to get there, right? Otherwise, you just go around in circles. You get lost. You may see a lot of great things, but you don't ever get where you're supposed to be. But we have a destination, and we're going to be looking at that today. Last week, Pastor Andy talked a little bit about how we've all been infected with a cancer that modern medicine cannot cure, and it will never be able to touch it or cure it, and that is cancer of the soul due to sin. Sin, a small little word, but a deadly one. But our God doesn't want to leave us in this condition. He wants to restore us to our original condition, Kind of like the video that we just watched, and they were, in, they were taking apart and putting back together and painting and doing all kinds of things to make that vehicle usable again, or to make it back, put it back to its original, kind of like its original. So, just like the restoration of that old car, it's a process for all of us of removing those old, rusted, broken parts that no longer work well, And replacing them with new parts so that we can work well. But it takes time. Some people know it takes a long time sometimes, right? The good news is, though, that when we put our faith in in the finished work of Jesus on the cross and we were baptized, we expressed our faith that God has indeed cleansed us 
and raised us from spiritual death into spiritual life. We have been restored to a right relationship with God because of what Jesus did on the cross. And it's through the Spirit that we can walk with Jesus as his disciple, learning again how to reflect reflect God's image into our world. The Apostle Paul gives us some insight into how this restoration takes place in our scripture today. And our scripture is from Colossians 3, verses 1 to 17. So please open your Bibles and follow along as we hear the word of God. It's a little lengthy, but stay, stay on, ta- on task here. You need to listen closely. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to one another, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator." Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell richly, dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whatever in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. Dear most gracious God, we thank you, Lord, that you are a God of restoration, that you uh, entered into our world to uh, show us what the perfect human being looked like, how you created us. Jesus came 
And he showed us what we are to look like with your spirit living within us. So, Lord, we thank you. We ask that you speak to all the hearts and minds of those who are gathered here in the sound of my voice. And, Lord, just um, continue to lead God and direct us in all things. And it is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen. Before we reflect on today's scripture passage, though, I want us to go back to the very beginning and just kind of remember a little bit. We're told in the first two chapters of Genesis that we were created in the image of God. Now, that means that human beings were created to mirror and reflect God and represent God on this earth. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems like a pretty tall order to me. Are any of us really, really capable of doing this? It is what we were created for, to reflect God. But just how do we go about this? Well, God created us with the ability to reason, to make moral choices. He created us and he gave us authority to take care of everything on earth. And he created us for relationship. Now, if you remember the story from Genesis, you might recall that to begin with, Adam and Eve were able to walk and talk with God in the garden. That was before they chose to go their own way rather than follow God's plan. In God's plan, human beings were created in God's image to display his image in four different ways, four different distinct ways. First, in our relationship with God, we were to have fellowship with him. We were to trust and obey him, and we were to bless and worship him. Next, in our relationships with others, again, for fellowship, again, trusting having a sense of openness with one another, and being of service to one another. And then in our relationship with ourselves, anybody in here ever feel divided within yourself, not quite knowing which way to go? Well, if he created us, there should be no division inside. We know the way. We have confidence. We're secure. We have a purpose, and we live with integrity. And then in the relationship with our world around us, living in harmony, stewarding our resources, having dominion over creation, but again being of service. But something got in the way of us living as God created. If we read a little bit further in Genesis, we see in chapter 3 that although God created everything to operate in an orderly manner, those first human beings disrupted the creative order by allowing their self-will to neglect the ways of God. Remember that word sin? What's in the middle of that word? I. When we become the center of our world instead of God, when it becomes all about me and what I want and my desires, we fail to display the image of God and our relationships suffer. Our relationship with God becomes one that's based on fear because we know we're not doing it his way. It may include some guilt or some shame. We may feel alienated. We may feel judgment. 
in our relationships with one another. Again, we feel alienated or we either move into that area of domination where we try to control others. We either distance ourselves from people or we try to control them. Then our relationship with others, with, or with ourselves, become egocentric, with everything becoming all about me and what I want. And then we end up being insecure, deceptive, and divided within ourselves. Because deep, deep, deep down inside, we know that this is not the way to live. It's not what we were designed for. And then our relationship with the world also becomes one that is either of alienation from the world or exploitation of the world. And that's the way things remain unless we reorder our lives, taking ourselves out of the center and putting God and his way back in the center of our life. But we need help in this. We cannot totally reorder our lives by ourselves, no matter how hard we try. And that's why God himself came in the person of Jesus, his son, who is the word made flesh. We're told in Colossians 1, 15 to 23, this, this is what it says about Jesus. The son is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him, all things are held together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile all things to himself, whether on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood, Shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, And do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Now, there were some really important things in that scripture. First, you know, I've heard people make the comment, you know, how do I, how do I know what God's like? You know, he's up there, he's invisible, I don't know. But this scripture tells us we do know. If we've seen Jesus, we've seen God. Because Jesus embodied God in flesh. Then it tells us also that all of creation, you, me, everything, came through Jesus and for Jesus. So we were created to be in relationship with Jesus. And then we're told that it's Jesus that holds everything together. In other words, without Jesus, things fall apart. 
And I think we only have to look out into our world to see the truth of that. That when Jesus is not there, things are pretty chaotic and they have fallen apart. And then we're told that we're reconciled to God because Jesus gave himself up for us. And he took all that sin that we carried on himself on the cross. And then the last thing that we see in that scripture is we are seen as holy in God's eyes as we continue to grow in faith by following Jesus and his teachings. Now, Jesus is the cure for that sin problem. Throughout his ministry, we see him restoring things. Yeah, in the book of Matthew, we see him giving sight to a blind man. He restores his sight. We see a man with a withered hand, and Jesus simply reaches out and touches his hand, and it's restored. In Matthew 17, we hear about a demon being driven out of a man, and he's restored to, to sanity and good health. And then in Mark, we hear the story, at Mark 5, we hear the story of a woman who is restored to health after suffering 12 years with a hemorrhage. And then in John 11, we're told about how Jesus restores life to a dead man. He raises Lazarus from the dead. And we can also see God restoring things in the Old Testament as well. In Job, we hear these words. If you return to the Almighty, you will be restored if you remove wickedness far from your heart. And in Ezekiel, this is beautiful, I love this, I will give them an undivided heart and will put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Restoration. Returning to that original image. Now we're not told exactly how Jesus went about restoring things, but it was often with a word and a touch, except for the woman with the hemorrhage. And we're told that she was seeking Jesus out. He was moving through a crowd, and she said to herself, if I can only touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. So she did, and she was. But Jesus knew something had happened. He felt power had gone out of his body. So he asked the question, who touched my clothes? Now imagine the disciples were probably sitting there going, come on, Jesus, you're in a crowd. There are a lot of people who touched your clothes. But he knew that there was one specific person. Well, the woman steps forward and she tells him her story of how she suffered from this bleeding for 12 years. She had seen all kinds of doctors trying to get healed and none of them could do for her what Jesus did. So Jesus then says the word to her. He didn't to start with. She simply reached out and touched him. She did the touch. But he says to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. You know, part of the suffering that she experienced was that she had, because of the bleeding, she was rejected and and isolated from everybody else. So he restored her to community. She could now go and be amongst everyone else. 
You know, God works in mysterious ways through his son, Jesus Christ. And today's scripture from Colossians 3 helps us to understand more fully what happens when we acknowledge that Jesus is the son of God and we accept him not only as our savior, but as Lord of our life. Now we're going to go back and we're going to look a little bit closer at different sections of today's scripture. We're going to look a little deeper. Starts out, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden in God, with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The Apostle Paul is reminding us here of what symbolically happens in our baptism. We have been washed. If we've been baptized, we've been washed clean by the waters of our baptism. Our life is now hidden with Christ in God. You'll remember in the the book of John, I love that part where Jesus talks about, you know, I am in him and he is in me and I am in you and you're in me. Yeah, it's that confusing part. But what he's saying is we meld together as we follow him. He lives in us. The things of this world become less important. Galatians 2.20, Paul says it this way. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. Christ becomes the most important thing. Then Paul continues in verses 5 to 11. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all things as these, anger, rage, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to one another since you've taken off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Paul is spelling it out for us here. These are the things that get in the way of our relationships working as God designed them to do. Did you see any part of that in that those words that something may need to be replaced in you? Paul knows how we live when we live from that place of ourselves. And he's reminding us that those who died, that they put on a new self. The one that's being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. We are being restored as we follow Jesus, as we become his disciples and learn his ways which are very opposite of our world's ways. In verses 12 to 14, Paul continues, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, 
gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Paul reminds us here of two things, very, very important things. First, we have been chosen by God. And we are holy and dearly loved by him. When we realize, when we fully realize the depth of God's love for us, we are changed. As disciples of Jesus, we seek to put into practice new life patterns and habits which continually realign our lives to living as Jesus did. The old is replaced by the new, as in the restoration of the car. Pieces are taken out and new pieces are put in. Then Paul closes with these words. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The peace of Christ. Remember he said, my peace I give to you, not not as the world gives. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. Reminds me of the little book, Practicing the Presence, by Brother Lawrence, where he talked about if he was cleaning a toilet, he did it as if he were doing it for Jesus. If he was peeling potatoes, he did it as if he was peeling potatoes for Jesus. Everything he did, he did it as if he were doing it to Jesus or for Jesus. Wouldn't life be different if we could always do that? Paul closes the scripture with these reminders. We are to let Christ rule in our hearts and live with peace with others. We're to be thankful. Gratitude. You're going to hear more about that in just a little bit. You know, there was, there were some words in there that sometimes we shy away from. And that was, let the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another. With all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. That means in order to grow in the likeness of Jesus, we need people to help us sometimes. We need to look at ourselves first. We need to always examine in here and what we're doing and our motivations. But we also sometimes need people to hold us accountable and go, whoops, wait a minute. (laughs) That wasn't very loving. We need to be humble and to allow people to speak into our lives. We want to reflect the beauty of God to the world around us. You know, there's so many times I've heard from people, I don't, you know, that are not churchgoers. I'm not going to get involved with the church. They're just a bunch of hypocrites. They don't see the reflection of God 
and the followers of Jesus. You know, so that's what we're called to, folks. And I don't know about you, but I want that. I want the world out there to come to know Jesus. And and it can be any one of you who can reflect his glory to them and introduce them to Jesus. That's what we're called to. We're to interact as Jesus did with others, speaking truth with grace. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to show us the way and through your spirit at work in us to restore us, to reflect the image of our Father. As we seek to know him better, may we come to see every parable, every prayer, every healing in Scripture, his death and his resurrection, that all of the things that Jesus said All of the things that he did were to restore us so that we too can reflect God's image. 2 Corinthians 5.17 reminds us, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. May it be so in your life and mine. Amen. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much that you did send Jesus, that we could see what it looks like. We could see how it's so different from the way that we sometimes operate in the world. So, Lord, continue to teach us, to lead us, to guide us. Help us to become those disciples of Jesus that reflect you back to our world so that others will say, there's something different there. There's a peace. There's, a, there's something that I can't explain, but I want it. And that they'll come and ask So, Lord, help us continue to lead God and direct us with your Holy Spirit. And we thank you for all that you have done and all that you continue to do in our lives. And it is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit we pray. And all God's children said, Amen.